Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Stirred Not Shaken podcast. This is the podcast about how to drink better. Man, it has been a minute since we have been in the studio, Kyler. It's been a little bit. Been, it's been a little bit more than a little bit, honestly. Schedules are crazy. Yeah, yeah. Schedules have been crazy, and we, trust me, we have all, or not all, we have, <laughs> <laughs> we have both been itching absolutely itching to get back in the studio yes anyways we are coming at you live from lincoln nebraska at 2 a.m on a friday night <laughs> my name is ethan nelson sitting directly across from me is kyler ost kyler yo, yo, yo. what's good lots of stuff like like bears are kind of cool i, I do <laughs> like looking at their big dopey faces bears uh, are banana bread dude incredible Lots of good stuff. I mean, you can really easily fuck up a banana bread, though. You can. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but anyway, for the most part, banana bread is good. Uh, just to get a couple of programming notes out of the way, a little bit of housekeeping, you know what I'm saying? Um, first and foremost, huge shout out to uh, Mr. David Miller and the lovely Kendall so much <laughs> our first two supporters thank you so much for supporting the podcast even though there hasn't really been a podcast to support the last few weeks we are back and we will be doing this much more regularly from here on out i'm not <laughs> sure if we will have like a set release date every week just because of how crazy everything is right now but by god we'll make we'll, we'll, we'll get it where it needs to be yes we we will get it there and yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got it. Um, go ahead and uh, follow Stirred Not Shaken on Instagram at Stirred Not Shaken Pod, and please, please, please leave us a five star rating and review anywhere you get your podcast, except for Spotify. Spotify doesn't really. Excuse me. Spotify doesn't really have that function. Yet, yet, Spotify. I'm looking at you. Looking at you, Spotify. Your move. <laughs> Balls in your court, Spotify. <laughs> And please tell 500 of your closest friends about this podcast. Not, it's I like mean, an MLM, except you don't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> you get the satisfaction of uh, potential discount codes in the future. Mm -hmm. You get to listen to us, which is kind of cool. And you may even get to see our beautiful faces. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I think that's kind of all I have for programming notes today. Um, again, continue to leave us feedback either via the form on our website, www.snspodcast.com, or just DM me, DM the, um, the podcast Instagram page, DM Kyler. I'm at EQ Nels. Kyler's at Drinks by Kyler. I'm wow, sorry. I didn't even let that. me say my <laughs> own hand. I worked hard coming up with that. Okay, Kyler, go ahead and plug your Instagram. <laughs> you already did. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> even though we are coming at you a few weeks late, this is going to be the official wrap up of our the the whiskey section Ooh. of this podcast. Um, 
we had a lot of good times over the last over the last couple of months talking about all kinds of different things, notably whiskey. Um, <laughs> more, more often than not, <laughs> <laughs> there were times where we where we didn't. We we did have some fair, to be completely fair <laughs> moments. But um, so really, I mean, w- the rundown for today is just uh, we're going to talk about a few a few lesser not. Not even necessarily lesser known whiskey cocktails, just not so much episode worthy. Yeah, yeah, cocktails. just ones that aren't yeah necessarily worth having their own episode on. Mm-hmm. And um, we each compiled our our own list, our own list of five whiskey drinks independently of each other. So we don't know what's on the other other's mm-mm, list. Mm-mm. That was a uh, that was intentional. We're gonna. We're just gonna see how that plays out, mm-hmm. and hopefully it plays out well. <laughs> I think it will. I, I think, think it will. will. I, I I think we'll be doing pretty all right. <clears throat> and you know, here and there, we'll sprinkle in some uh, some anecdotes about some of our favorite moments from the yeah. last uh, the last few weeks the or last the last few episodes. episodes of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyways. Um, Kyler, why don't you go ahead and uh, give me your your five cocktails just right off the bat. Boom, yeah, boom, 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 boom. They are in no particular order, um, but I will note the first one's my favorite. Um, <laughs> Semi-particular order. No. After established, sort of. Okay. But um, they are the Sazerac, the Boulevardier, uh, Rusty Nail, Penicillin, and the Whiskey Sour. I gotcha. We actually have two in common. Ooh. Uh, the Rusty Nail and the Boulevardier, both of which were on my list as well. Hell yeah. In addition to those two, the other three are not the same, obviously. Um, Yeet. <laughs> <laughs> my other three were uh, Irish Coffee. I, oh. <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs> the Mint Julep. And uh, uh, this one might ruffle feathers, but uh, the, the Rob Roy Vucare. Oh, so <laughs> so I actually in my notes uh, with the Sazerac said like unpretentious cousin of the Vucare. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's perfect. I did give up um, mint julep and um, Irish coffee for penicillin and whiskey sour. Mm. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Mm, these seem too like mainstream. (laughs) (laughs) And the whiskey sour isn't mainstream. Hey, the whiskey sour was a last minute decision because I didn't want the mint julep on my list. (laughs) Why did you want the mint julep on your list? I didn't. I said, why didn't you? Oh, because I mean, like, you already took it. (laughs) Mm hmm. Would you put the microphone in front of your face, please? No. <laughs> I just wanted to be comfy. Oh, there we go. <clears throat> so uh, let's go ahead and start off with the uh, the two that we have in common, shall we? Yeah. Boulevardier. We got. It's a three ingredient cocktail. Very simple. Very cool. Um, also, <laughs> very simple. Very cool. <laughs> derives most of its identity. As being a twist on the Negroni. Yes. With it being equal part, well, generally prepared as equal parts Campari, sweet vermouth, and bourbon, or rye whiskey, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Pick your dealer's insert, choice insert, on the whiskey. Yeah, insert it's, whiskey here. The important thing is it's a Negroni without gin with yeah. whiskey. And now it's that uh, that thing I was telling you about earlier, where I was like, "Gosh, I hate when uh, like food bloggers are like, mm, yes, the preparation's different, but it's just such a mm-hmm. succulent uh, end oh, result." Oh yeah, see, I should have known like, that. That's what you were talking about. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, but the cool thing is, like, the Boulevardier fucking rocks. <laughs> yeah, the Boulevardier does rock. And the fact that it, I mean, I hate to give credit to this annoying-ass food blogger, mm-hmm. but <laughs> the uh, switching the bourbon, or switching the gin for whiskey, it, I mean, it really does completely change the vibe it of the drink. a lot. It really does. <clears throat> and, I mean, that like, makes sense with it being a, yeah. a three-ingredient, equal parts, mm-hmm. generally yeah. prepared equal parts cocktail. But um, <clears throat> whereas the Negroni is going to be kind of kind of crisp. Yeah, she's light. Airy? Crisp. Like, Maybe not airy. Not airy. I, I think of it as like... Like I'd sit on a patio and enjoy a Negroni, mm-hmm, but I would mm-hmm. sit by a fire and enjoy a Boulevardier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Negroni is, you know, your uh, spring, your summer work. Negroni. Yeah, spring, Ball summer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Work and play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're feeling a little flirty, you sub some whiskey in there, and mm-hmm. oh man, oh man. Oh, my. And if you're indecisive, you split the base with both and just fuck around and find out. <laughs> see how that it goes. sounds gross. See, but I could I could see it having some interesting notes, especially if you use like an. Well, I'm an not old saying it Tom doesn't. It won't have any interesting notes. I'm just like saying. in a good way. Oh, okay. like if you use like a like an old Tom gin, so you have a little barrel aging on your gin. Yeah, you can make like, it work. I I'm just kind of intrigued since since that thought kind of popped into my mind. Oh yeah. Like would sh- would it work? Would it taste good? Would I order it at a place, or would I feel like a goober for ordering it? <laughs> Actually, speaking of um, barrel rested gin, I um, I recently was at the Hy-Vee closest to me, yes, and I noticed a new product from Fever Tree that had recently come out. Yes, the, is it uh, the? You should say what you're gonna say. The aromatic tonic. Yes. With, uh, they have had the aromatic tonic for a hot minute. Have they? Yes. Because it, it still has the new sticker on the neck of the bottle. Oh, heard. They were like pitching that to us like back when I worked at Sebastian's. They oh, really? Like, Do you want the aromatic tonic? And I was like, no. <laughs> what are we going to use it for? <laughs> on its own, super cool. I'd buy it for myself. I mean, it tastes actually much better than regular tonic water on it its own. It really does. But it it's really weird with a dry gin. Yes. Or a botanical gin, it does well with a with an old tom or a barrel. Mm-hmm. I could even see aged. it working on like like a spinoff of a highball. And oh using yeah, like yeah, the yeah. aromatic tonic water. In place it needs to be water. paired with some kind of aged spirit. Yes. Yeah. You can't do anything white with that. Well. <laughs> Poggers. <laughs> the Boulevardier. The Boulevardier. <laughs> Um uh you can correct me if you find anything that is wrong in what I'm about to say but from what I found where's my notepad the boulevardier originated in 1920s Paris and is accredited to a bartender by the name of Erskine Gwynn 
Erskine Vin. They were an American who, coincidentally, also founded a monthly magazine in Paris called... What was it called? Boulevardier. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> Boulevardier. Seems a little... Uh, On the nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably like, hmm, well, what else would I name it? What does Boulevardier even mean? Boulevard? Is that is that really what it is? It's just a, a semi not educated guess. <laughs> <laughs> Since it's French, <laughs> I assume like Boulevardier. <laughs> it's actually um it's actually the definition is a wealthy, fashionable socialite. Well, <laughs> I did say not informed. <laughs> hmm. So, um, so does that mean Boulevard comes from that, and that's where the rich people live, is on the boulevard? Dude, I think so. Dude, I think so. I'm not going to look it up. I'm no, running with it. Mind. It's fact. Mind. <laughs> <laughs> I already spent way too much effort on uh, just looking up what Boulevardier means. Oh, I thought you were going to say diving into uh, blackberries. <laughs> well, that too, yeah. <laughs> too. Plenty of, like, way too much research. We've been on some pretty interesting uh, uh, wiki articles lately. Yeah, yeah, we've been going down a few rabbit holes. Um, notably, before we get to the next cocktail, we've been talking a lot about different types of fruits and how <laughs> their common names often are misleading to the category of fruit that they come from. Looking at you, berries, droops, and aggregate fruits. <laughs> berries, droops, and aggregate fruits. <laughs> That's the name of our uh, new botany podcast coming out later. <laughs> this year where we talk about how angry we are at the categorization of fruits and vegetables and other assorted plants that might have legs honestly it really does i'm glad <laughs> we're recording this for <laughs> prosperity we already filed the trademark don't steal our idea yeah, don't take the idea we're the first people to ever have this idea ever we may want to just bleep this out yeah you don't even get to hear about this that's not a bleep <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Anyways, um, so Kyler, <laughs> what is, and this is the question we've all been waiting for, what is your favorite aggregate fruit? Dude, okay, so, not gonna lie, dude, my favorite aggregate fruit is also, coincidentally, my favorite bramble, because it is... The blackberry, dude. Now, Ethan, what is your favorite aggregate fruit? Remember, droops are excluded. <laughs> you really just... Okay. Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, 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 no. Totally fine, totally fine. Um... You know, the blackberry is fantastic, and it's going to be a very close runner-up. My actual answer is going to be a little bit of a basic one. <gasps> but that's okay. The strawberry. How? Yeah. I love a nice, juicy strawberry Don't on a all? hot summer's day, man. Yes. They're absolutely fantastic. We just we love our summertime aggregate fruits. <laughs> <laughs> is the blackberry really a summertime aggregate fruit? I feel like it's more of a... A wintertime aggregate fruit. Well, see, I always think about like, um, like blackberry tea, or just like blackberry like 
sweet tea from the south. Like I always associate oh, okay. blackberries with the south in the summer, and I don't know why. That makes sense a little bit. But like I primarily use blackberries in the winter. Yeah, because, because they like, just have that that deeper yeah, flavor profile. They're juicy. They're red, even though they're blackberries. They're red when you squish them. <laughs> like they're incredible. Have you ever but tried like a like muddling some blackberries in some peach tea? Yes, it's fantastic. It's incredible. It's beautiful. Like, God, there's something about droops and aggregate fruits working together <laughs> that just like brings it on home well i don't know if you knew this or not but aggregate fruits are just a, a lot of really small droops yes they're droplets yeah they're dro- <laughs> <laughs> no like like the definition <laughs> of them is like aggregate fruits see parentheses also known as droplets because not because they're like little droops but because they're multitudes of little droops fascinating Speaking of uh, speaking of droplets and aggregate fruits, um, <laughs> while we're on the subject, <laughs> the rusty nail, the rusty <laughs> nail, um, <laughs> the rusty nail is um, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting little drink, mm-hmm. um, notably that it's only two ingredients. Yes, um, there's really not much to it. And it's especially interesting because, like, it's a... Okay, so the rusty nail is going to be, as it's traditionally and most easily prepared, at least I believe this is right, correct me if I'm wrong, it's literally just equal parts scotch and drambuie. I see it as... I've seen the recipe as equal parts and, like, a two-to-one. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen both as well. Mm -hmm. But point being, scotch whiskey and drambuie are the ingredients that make up this drink, and I find it especially fascinating because Drambuie is a scotch-based liqueur. Mm-hmm. And so we've got Isle scotch. Sky, scotch and uh, heather honey. Yeah. Honey from the heathers. Love that heather. Heather. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, did you know that Drambuie means the drink that satisfies in Gaelic? I like that. I, I do like too. I like that a lot. I do too. It's a drink that satisfies. It's a yeah. It was a it was huge for a while. Um, I don't know the exact time span. I think it was about fifty years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, from like the nineteen fifties and sixties up through like two thousand ten. Essentially, its conception, it was like a generation's drink, and then yeah. like it just people stopped giving a shit about it the playboy generation yeah but like now it's like having a comeback yeah well is, yeah it's, it's cool to see <clears throat> it, i like, think i mean it's having a comeback because it's like it's two ingredients right it's yeah. so easy to just riff it's simple and elegant at the same time mm-hmm. like uh i don't i think it was rusty nail and then the godfather is a spin-off of the rusty nail or they're a spin-off of each other because mm-hmm. the godfather is just same ratio but instead of Drambuie, you use Amaretto. Yeah. Much sweeter drink. Much sweeter drink. I uh, I actually tried that um, about two years ago before I started like really getting into cocktails. Two or three mm-hmm. years ago before I started <coughs> getting into cocktails. And, man, I don't know what I did wrong, <laughs> but I was just like, oh, my God, I could pour this over pancakes. It's so fucking sweet. Yeah. But. Um, a, uh, a, like... Forty Creek maple barrel aged whiskey and fucking amaretto. 
It's a spot. It's a spot. <laughs> Feels like I'm chewing on simple syrup. Yep. Facts. Incredible. Big facts. Big facts. Big herd. <laughs> um, I tried to find some origins of this, but with it being such a no-brainer two-ingredient cocktail, it's kind of... Eh. I found a quote from David Wondrich. On uh, him saying that he believes the drink's origins are contributed to clever bartenders from the 21 Club in Manhattan uh, in the, like, 1960s-esque time. I did see that. <coughs> I saw that there was a uh, a similar drink dubbed the Little Club Number 1 that is included in Ted Saucier's 1951 Bottoms Up. Yes. Which I believe that that's probably what you're referring to. I think we're referring I to think the same. So. I believe same we thing. are. But um, I don't know any details beyond mm-hmm. that. There was um, no like also no set thing for no, it, which often there's there not. Um, <coughs> I also saw that it could have been designed specifically for the 1937 British Industries Fair yes, Trade Show. Yes, because it was originally named Biff <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, it was just like the drink's name was BIF. And then they were like, we need something better than that. (laughs) Um, I also saw the last one that I saw was. Oh, no, this isn't even like an origin thing. This is just the fact that it appears in the 1967 edition of, quote, old Mr. Boston official bartender's guide. Mm -hmm. End quote. The one that I found said that its name had been cemented in 1963 but it gave no reference as to where, so I don't know how much I trust it. <laughs> <laughs> or why. Or why, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair. And I mean, the I don't know, when before I like even started bartending, I had known about the Rusty Nails, like a drink that grandpas drink. It yeah. It was like, like your grandpa and your great-grandpa will order a Rusty Nail, and like mm-hmm. every now and again when people would come in and like order a Rusty Nail from the bar, I'd be like, whoa, like... Shouldn't like, she be like forty up, years older? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I sorry, no, it's not an old people's thing. drink. It's uh It's the perception of it. It's not. Yeah, but it's perceived that way, and that's mm-hmm. why, likely, why it's disappearing from menus. Yes, but or why it did God is my witness. Menus. It's bottled in that cooler <laughs> in the humidor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hold one of them. Job well done. But. Very cool. But yeah, that's uh, that's the rusty nail. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, not to take us uh, off topic again, but I just want to say from the bottom, the bottom of my heart, um, I think Cachaca is better than Pisco. There, I said it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Pisco is just unaged brandy. Like, does a lot of cool stuff that like mm-hmm. vodka kind of already does, but Cachaca has Cachaca has that funk. It's funky to dude. it. It's that like funky. is reminiscent of Jamaican rum, but like it's so distinct that like I, I can hang with it. Like, yeah, I dig it. I I <coughs> I'm purely comparing the two just because they're like obscure South American versions of well-known spirits. Yes, Pisco being. Brandy related, cachaça being rum related. Rum. Rum. Which we'll get to. We'll get to. But we got something else beforehand. Something much, much bigger. Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. 
okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, there, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, yeah. I just really wanted to use that button, honestly. That's very fair. It is a very situational button, which is sad because of how much I love it. I'm upset. Yes. The more applicable of the buttons, <laughs> especially there. <laughs> um, uh, Kyla, go ahead with the uh, the whiskey sour. What'd you find out about that one? Um, well, what would you like to tell us? So apparently, its first written appearance was in 1870 in the Waukesha Plain Dealer, uh, which is a Wisconsin newspaper. It's my favorite Plain Dealer. Favorite of the plane viewers. I can't even tell you the other oh, names. Oh, plane viewer. I thought you said plane dealer. Yo, yeah, plane dealer. I'm just, I just forgot. <laughs> you know, I was hoary withheld. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the whiskey sour is, again, another simple drink by nature that, I mean, I wouldn't say has gotten a bad rap, but the club scene did not treat it well. No, it did not. And so I think like you find a lot sweeter whiskey sours than I think like is truly intended. Whereas like the ones that I really enjoy have a, just a nice balance of like the sweet to sour ratio. Hence the, I mean, the name of it. But like I remember getting one at a bar and it was just like drinking like sugar and whiskey. I think it was like slightly yellow because of a hint of lemon juice, but <laughs> even then. Yeah, and I think the uh, <clears throat> the growing popularity of the whiskey sour is kind of what gave rise to your bottled ultra artificial sour mixes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <clears throat> Which a lot of bars are very guilty of using, and mm -hmm. it's. I mean, that's. <clears throat> Good Lord. Um, that's fine. Well, I mean, it's not fine as far as this podcast is concerned, but if that's yeah. what you like, then that's what you like. That's you know, like. If that's what you serve to your guests, it's what you serve. I mean, people show up and they want it, give it to them. But it's cool to see how the craft renaissance has kind of affected the whiskey sour and how, like, I don't know. I don't think there's any craft cocktail bar i've gone to that does not tote a solid whiskey sour and they're like look at this this frothy egg white and this delicate portrayal of a bitters art on top and then the cherry to the side and then i take a sip and then it's like well this is horribly unbalanced <laughs> <laughs> it looks gorgeous but i think your ratios might be off a little my friend they're just trying to get too wild with it man I'm trying to get too wild here's a I'm going to take this opportunity to have a hot take. Uh, I think it's fucking stupid that people put whiskey in amaretto sours. That is, uh, that's my hot take. Damn. Why is that? I think like if it's an amaretto sour, just let it be an amaretto sour. Like people are wanting to taste the beauty of amaretto, not uh, like a bolstered amaretto sour. Like, I don't know, because I've I made them for myself, but it just... See, I I think, like, it's intentionally, like... I don't know. When I think about it, it's, like, the light, playful version of the whiskey sour. Like, if I wanted the taste of whiskey, I would have ordered the whiskey sour 
any time I've had an amaretto sour, if there's whiskey in it, it's like the thing that I taste. Like I'm just trying to get a little frou frou uh-huh. drink going on. I gotcha. Okay. If you, I'm of the, <clears throat> man. My throat is. It was not doing this before. It was not <laughs> before the podcast at all. <laughs> but <laughs> we're here now. Anyways, we're here now. um, yeah. No, I I agree with you that whiskey should not be playing any sort of like even like background role. Mm-hmm. I think it's there as a complimentary flavor, but like a higher proof, like just pretty much there to bump up the proof. And that's fair. And stay in line mm-hmm. with the flavor profile of the Amaretto, which is why, you know, when I make an Amaretto sour, I will put no more than a half an ounce mm-hmm. of bourbon in there. And I mean, that kicks it to the, uh, that kicks it to the back seat, maybe even the trunk. Or the third Maybe row. even the trunk, <laughs> the the, uh, the spare tire wheel well. Yeah, the spare tire wheel in well. The trunk, and you don't taste it pretty much at all. You really just—I mean, it's really—it's—it's it's just bumping up the proof mm-hmm. a little bit. You That's know? fair. I think it, I think it needs that, depending on the amaretto, of mm-hmm. course. Anyway, Lazzarani amaretto for the win. I love what they do so much. Really? Yeah. You like it, Lazzarani? I do. Oh, okay. Between, like, like if I'm comparing, like, Di Serono and Lazzaroni, I don't know, I just... But I think I might be biased because of uh, the rep that mm. brought it was just, like, she was the best person I've ever met. But What about uh, Il Tramonto? I haven't had their amaretto. Really? So I can't give an opinion on it. It's good. It's good. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I just like the idea of a liqueur made from macerated cookies that just makes me very happy cookies yeah that's where amaretto comes from amaretto cookies they mash them up macerate them then they distill it i thought wait a minute to the amaretto's the uh the almond and peach pit and yeah they make cookies out of that and then at least for the lazaroni one what they do is they've got these these fucking cookies uh so i feel like for for disarono at least i believe they just use straight up apricot pits let me see lazaroni already made from cookies this is live in-game action that you're not going to get anywhere else yes sir Stand by. We are standing by. <clears throat> all I'm getting is well, while Kyler, uh, while Kyler fiddles with that, I am going to take this opportunity to just kind of really quick mute him. And <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I found out about Irish coffee. Um, and, you know, contrary to a lot of popular belief, the Irish coffee, despite its, you know, you know, popular belief, and it's many shortcuts. It is not just coffee with a shot of whiskey in it or a shot of Bailey's in it, right? It is, I mean, a proper way to sort of make an Irish coffee and the best way, in my opinion. Sorry, Kyle's got something. No, I, I found it. Um, the uh, Paolo Lazzarone and Fijili, the official, like, 
producers of it. Uh, since 1851, uh, it owes its delicate almond apricot flavor to an infusion of crushed amaretti cookies, which were made according to Lazzaroni's family recipe. Interesting. So they fucking crush them up, they macerate them, and then they infuse that or distill that. And it makes fucking uh, amaretto. Amaretto. At least the Lazzaroni recipe. Yeah, the uh, according to the the source that I have found now, or actually according to the Disarono Company, the Disarono liqueur is an infusion of apricot kernel oil mm-hmm. with absolute alcohol, burnt sugar, and quote the pure essence of seventeen selected herbs and fruits. End quote. So really, that means mm. nothing. That means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> We've put some stuff in this thing, and we made something out of it, and that's all that we're going to tell you. <laughs> Pretty much any company line ever, really. True. <laughs> um, Anyways, Irish coffee. Irish coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the proper and personally, you know, in my opinion, the best way to make one is, you know, you get uh, you throw you know, a couple spoonfuls of brown sugar or demerara sugar in the bottom of a glass mug. Then you throw your Irish whiskey in there. Then you throw your coffee in there. Some good coffee. Make sure it's good coffee. Yeah. Don't use fucking folders. folders. <laughs> <laughs> you done been called out, son. Uh, <laughs> this is a Maxwell House family. <laughs> <laughs> No, only use locally roasted beans, dude. Although, TBH, shout out to Cultiva for making really great cold brew. Shouts. Fuck, I love that cold brew so much. I forget what the roaster's name is, but... uh, Josh. Nope. I'm pretty sure her name's Josh. No, 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 I'm talking about something else now. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thought you were on the Cultiva train with me. (laughs) Never mind. No, 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 no. I um, the uh, the roaster. I forget the roaster that makes this particular blend, but I know the blend itself is called Southern Gothic, and it is one Ooh. of the best dark roasts I've ever had. Hell yeah! And it is, it is just perfect for cold brew. It does fine with the with the pour over, mm-hmm. which is my preferred method, but it the it it really shines in a cold brew. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> neither here nor there. But the coffee is important when you make an Irish coffee. Yes, the coffee is literally fucking part of it. It's in the (laughs) name. It's literally the the largest ingredient in this in this cocktail. Beverage. What? Beverage. Yes. (laughs) Bernardical. And then you're gonna top it up with some some lightly hand whipped cream. Perhaps some grated nutmeg, a cinnamon stick, and a little bit of chocolate, as per the Simpsons guidelines. Correct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> What's the stick of cinnamon? I thought it was a wafer. It probably guy. is. I, thought, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's the Simpsons. It's the Simpsons. Who, who it really literally knows? could have been anything. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> could have stuck a fucking twig in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, reportedly, the only thing that I really found was it was reportedly created in Ireland. By a, uh, a Mr. Joe Sheridan in the early 1940s. And I'm guessing that that is horribly inaccurate because, like, how could you not throw sugar, coffee, and whiskey into mm-hmm. a cup? And yeah. 
I mean, there had to be a first, and like that seems weird that that's the first. Yeah, but like it seems weird that the 1940s would be the earliest that people were putting sugar and yeah. whiskey and coffee. I uh, every time I look at these classic recipes, I just have this like feeling of like, wow, it really was like just so fucking easy to be the first person to make something. <laughs> like when we were talking about the highball and like that one apparatus on the train tracks where like it's called the highball because like the ball gets high on it. <laughs> And it's like fucking A plus right there. Like they a looked plus, at it and they were like, well, the ball gets high, high ball. And nothing had that name. So they were like, checks out. It's like Irish coffee is like it's Irish whiskey and coffee. A little bit of sugar, whipped cream, whatever. Like Boom. here's the they had it super here's my now new addition got- for the spring menu. No one's ever done this before. And people were like, holy shit, holy shit. dude. Game. Game changer. Game changer, dude. Now he you're put the whiskey in the coffee, dude. Put the whiskey in the coffee, bro. They really ran to make a sprint. <laughs> now you're fucking infusing scotch with thyme, <laughs> and they're like, "There's a lavender lemon." Just to ice stay cube. relevant. <laughs> Just to be a Just blip on someone's radar. <laughs> Just to do what every other person's doing. <laughs> oh, I'm man. off my hill. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag oh, hot takes. <laughs> I don't have any hot takes for this one. <laughs> no hot takes of the Irish coffee. That's okay. Um, oh, here's my here's here's my take. Here's your take. Blonde roast coffee stinks. That is a hot take. I'm here for it. <laughs> I I can only agree. People are like, oh, well, there's more caffeine. I'm like, well, I will take more caffeine, but I'd also like... I would also like to taste something. I would also like to taste something. Thank you. And also, if you... So, I mean, that's it's a little bit that's a little bit of a, uh, a miss... I want to say misnomer, but I know that's not the right word. Mm-hmm. But it's... <clears throat> a little bit of a mistake because if you if you're weighing your coffee by volume then it's going to have the same amount of caffeine yeah it's just because dark roast coffee tends to be less dense Mm, yucky (laughs) it's the only reason i could assume you'd be like i love blonde roasts it's like i don't really want to taste my coffee Mm -hmm. but i do want the but i want all the effects of it yeah which i could i can get behind that like I don't yeah, want it's to, like I a it's like a frat like it's perfect for a frappuccino. Yeah. Shouts to Starbucks, not really though. Shouts to Starbucks, but like, what else were we going to do? <laughs> anyway, um, your turn. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about the penicillin. Uh, Hell yeah. Same family as like the rusty nail in terms of being a scotch based cocktail, which like honestly you don't see a ton of because people are like, <gasps> you don't mix scotch. And we call those people Good heavens. idiots because <laughs> some My of the pearls. best <gasps> they should catch your death of cold. Um, shout out to Downton Abbey. <laughs> um, but yeah, the penicillin was a cocktail that I thought I was going to hate until I tried it. Mm-hmm. It was just like. I don't really see this like, like I don't feel like I'm gonna get anything from like the base spirit. I don't think it's gonna highlight it, and like it turned out to be just really fucking good, um, which is surprising because this drink was made in uh, the year 2000 by Sam Ross at Milk and Honey, which is a 
a former bar yeah, in Manhattan. They're not operating anymore. They're not operating hey, anymore. Hey, Kyler. That's me. Hey, uh, how about you tell us what's in the drink? I was getting there. <laughs> Let me have my intro of when it was created. All right, all right, um, all right, all right, all right. Because it's a spinoff of a gold rush, which is mm. bourbon, honey, lemon, I think ginger. I think ginger was incorporated later. I couldn't tell you. Anyways, the penicillin has the, the beneficial notes of ginger and the key to it, which is a nice float of a PT Isla scotch. Mm. Um, it's a it's a shaken scotch drink, which is a little weird. Yeah, you don't see that often. You don't see that often. Um, but the ginger, the honey, and the lemon, and normally a Highland scotch uh, is the base, but you can use fucking whatever. Um, but I just really like it. Because it's the perfect mixture of like a little sweet, a little crisp, mm-hmm. a little ginger bite, and then the beauty of Isla Scotch. And if you are using a uh, a Highland Scotch for the uh, for the base spirit here, don't use Glenlivet or Glenmorangie. Mm-hmm. Use something with some actual juice behind it. Yeah, get yourself like like don't go for like the most expensive like no, highland no, 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 single no. malt you can find don't go over but, like, any 12 don't go over 12 yeah, years but old. like treat yourself a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. like <coughs> let highland 12. scotch show what it can do for you yeah yeah maybe a, a, a macallan 12 mm-hmm. that, would, that would probably be just about perfect I, there. I think it would do really well it's got enough juice behind it but it's not yeah. gonna over it's not gonna like be overpowering the i have float. thought about like Using the Dalmore 12 since it's so oh, rich, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it could stand up to the drink, but I've just, I've never done it. I don't make penicillins for myself. Yeah, neither like, do I. It's one where I'm like, I've been handed two penicillins in my life. The first one, I didn't know what it was and I thought it was a shot, so I chugged it. <laughs> um, and the second one, I was actually like at a bar with people. Someone got a penicillin and then they also got me a penicillin because I was in the bathroom. Mm. And I was like, okay, like I will drink this. And I did. I enjoyed it. I have another hot take related to this, but I'm going to save it for the end because you're going to get mad at me. I'm going to get mad at you? Yeah. Oh, are you, what are you going to say? Like penicillin's not a good drink? No, 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 no. I just know how much you love Dalmore. Oh, I mean, I. Okay, uh, fine. I'll do I it. Mean, yeah. Fine, I'll do it now. I'll do it now. Yeah, fucking do it, coward. <laughs> uh, Dalmore and McAllen are pretty much interchangeable. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, the... like. Sorry, I thought you were a much bigger fan of Dalmore than you apparently are. I mean, I like it, but I I mainly like it for the bottle aesthetic and for Richard Patterson. Okay. Yeah, that's, like, that's fair. That's I mean, it's, fair. it's a decent single malt scotch, mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it was like the first single malt I ever tried, so it like holds a very special place in my heart. Oh, okay. It was the first bottle of scotch I ever bought was the Dalmar Twelve. Oh, I gotcha. Um, but it was like, I'm not like this is the best thing ever. This is there's only this whiskey <laughs> and the others are shit. Um, but I think it's it's a very solid example of like Northern Highland Scotch, and that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was mistaken then that's on me <laughs> that's on me that's on me i'll take that i'll take that see like the nomad though i fucking love that like that's, very good that's an up there one very good <clears throat> not technically a scotch not technically a scotch but think of how much love they put into that so to much let love. it lose its moniker for the beauty of becoming something better than the sum of its own parts if i had a bottle of it at my house i would sleep with it yeah honestly 
I mean, and such a solid bottle too. Yeah. I uh, well, I worked at Sebastian's. I was there's this awesome video of this ladder breaking under me <laughs> as I was putting a bottle of Nomad back on the shelf. So the bottle like fell with me, oh. but it landed on like the corner of the bottle and like bounced up on top of the counter and didn't break. <laughs> and Incredible. so I was like, it was before I had even tried the Nomad, and I was like, this is the best scotch I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's, a, and then it was also a really awesome scotch. But yeah, love the Nomad. That's incredible. That's incredible. Nomad Absolutely. is good. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost as good as the mint julep. The mint julep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mint julep. Very, very awesome. Very cool combination of flavors that, um, at first, at least me personally, I didn't think would work together. Mm-hmm. And those two ingredients being bourbon. And mint. I did not think those two flavors would work together at all. Mm-hmm. I thought that they would clash, but th- I mean, they still do kind of clash, but in a very yeah. wonderful way. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that don't know, mint julep is a very ritual. It's not a complicated drink. It's a very ritualized yes. and um, used in many traditions mm-hmm. as a drink. But uh, basically, it's going to be essentially just bourbon, fresh mint, some form of sugar, and packed as full as you possibly can with crushed ice. And that's pretty much a julep. Mm -hmm. And it is fantastic. It's very good. And it is an iconic cocktail and is primarily known for being like the official, the unofficial official cocktail of the Kentucky Derby. Well, it might be the official drink. I think oh. it's the official drink. Is it official? I think it's just like Kentucky's drink. Oh, okay, okay. Like that. that makes sense. But yeah, apparently I saw that they like make like uh, like 100,000 of these during Yeah, during the, the derby. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't even know how they pump these out that fast. Um but yeah, they're traditionally served in like a very specific um metal cup. Like a julep, the julep it's cup. It's a julep cup, mm-hmm. and it's made out of metal. And um, it's like a like how the Moscow Mule has its copper cup. Yeah, the it's julep got its has own its copper cup. Yeah, it's got its own little cup. And um, yeah, so apparently it first appeared. It first appeared in print in 1803 in John Davis's uh, Travels of Four and a Half Years in the United States of America, and is described as quote. A dram of spiritous liquor that has mint steeped in it, taken by Virginians of a morning. Of a morning, not in the morning. Yes. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, honestly, sounds like a uh, pretty fantastic way to start your day. I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, morning whiskey is incredible. Mm-hmm. Breakfast um, whiskey. Breakfast whiskey, exactly. It used to be for, for like a little five-year stint way before <laughs> Prohibition. Um. I do have a controversial hot take here. Oh, no. And uh, being like, I think the mint julep's an awesome cocktail. I think it's really fucking overhyped to have all of this shit named after it for a drink that's kind of like a mojito, but with less. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. Not, I, I love the drink. I, it's I a, no, it's a great drink. Um, no. It's... it's 
I mean, I think I said this, but like it, I mean, it gets a lot of its fame just from like the traditions surrounding it. Absolutely. It's not necessarily just like this fabulous mm-hmm. drink that like, oh, the Kentucky Derby wouldn't be complete without, I mean, at this point it wouldn't be yeah, complete without At this it, point but it would <laughs> be, yeah, because of tradition. Have you seen the, uh, I mean, almost every bartender's seen it. Almost everybody I know has seen it, but it's the lady that makes the mint julep on uh it's a youtube video and she just like she just fucks this mint julep up she takes like like two fistfuls of mint and then like she's like two ounces of bourbon and she just like pours (laughs) most of this fucking bottle and like it's takes like a snowball like a snow cone and yeah, because she does it to a couple of drinks, and then she had her redemption arc like two years ago, where she actually like went back and made another. Wait, is it julep? the same lady that says uh, the two shots of vodka thing? No, it is not. Oh, okay. Um, it's a different one. I feel like if I see this video, then I'm gonna I'm gonna recognize it. Yeah, you you should. I the downside is is I don't remember what she says, like. Because the name of the video is also, um, I think it's Mint Julep for Beginners. But she just like, no, not the how to drink one. There it is, how to make a mint julep. Because <laughs> um, it's Ellie's hottest bartender. And then like, come on, skip ads. Mahalo.com. That's the thing. Have you seen Mahalo. this video? So like, I honestly don't think I have. Oh my god, dude. So, so I'll just try and kind of skip through because this is the worst time to be doing this. <laughs> but we'll just see if we can skip to her kind of like fucking this drink up. So like, oh my god, she puts so much, so much fucking mint. Like, look. Oh, she's still going. She, yeah, she's still going. <laughs> she puts so much fucking mint in this glass. Half dude. a glass of mint. Two sugar, two sugar cubes. cubes. Three if you want a little bit sweeter. <laughs> Three if you want a little bit sweeter. <laughs> yeah. This bitch just dumps these sugar cubes oh in there. Oh my god. Yeah. If you don't have sugar cubes, but you do have simple syrup in your house, that works Simple syrup works. Yeah, it does. And then she has. Oh no! Poor girl oh doesn't no. even have a muddler oh for her no. bartending <laughs> video. How long does she muddle this for? Yeah. Oh my god. It's like twenty seconds of muddling. <laughs> um, all this fucking ice. And like she says okay, all the way, should but have. like this. Like fucking look at that. <laughs> that is way more that's, than two ounces of bourbon. That's like eight ounces of bourbon. <laughs> and this now what's fucking, going on? <laughs> she just rolls it back and forth. Like, just fucks this mint julep's day up. I'm upset. Do you? (laughs) Now you have a mint julep? Now you have a mint julep. No. Isn't that fucking... I can't believe you haven't seen that. That came out 11 (laughs) years ago. I'm going to have to go back and watch, like, the full thing start to finish just so I can appreciate the gravity yeah. Of how long she is taking to and make this. And then all of these fucking comments are just like, and there it is, a mint salad. <laughs> uh, I made this for my friend and he died. 
<laughs> this is without a doubt the most heartbreakingly terrible mint julep I've ever seen, etc., etc. Oh my uh, god! But then she does come back, like, like I said a couple years ago, and she like was like, haha, like, Just I almost kidding. quit bartending because of you assholes. And then she makes like a really good drink and like pokes fun at her from the previous one, and like she has her redemption arc. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, so no, no. You're good. You're that. good. Uh, what's your next drink? Um, I believe the only one I have left is the Sazerac. Okay. Because we did okay. Boulevardier, Rusty Nail, Penis, uh, Whiskey Go sour. ahead and yeah. do the Sazerac. I'm going to run to the restroom real quick. I'm sorry. I just can't anymore. Yeah, no, you got you to gotta go take a tinky. I got to okay. go get a tinky yeah, off. Go take right, a I'll tinky be right off. back. Yeah. I'll uh, just kind of vaguely sit here and talk about the Sazerac. Uh, because the Sazerac is my like personal favorite cocktail for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, it is like... I mean, it's such a focus on the base spirit, um, which originally for the Sazerac Cognac was its intended base spirit. Um, and it was that way from the pre-Civil War era uh, up until the 70s when Phylloxera went through Europe and just fucking destroyed all of these grapevines. And like wine was struggling, Cognac was struggling, so they just couldn't get it in anymore. And so Thomas H. Handy in 1870 uh, switched the base of the Sazeracs sold at uh, his bars to rye whiskey. And America just kind of latched on to the notion of Sazeracs being made with rye whiskey as the base. And a lot of menus that I see use still to to this day like a split base of rye whiskey and cognac. It's kind of homage to the Sazerac's origins. Um, but it's very regional too. Um, Cause like I had said, Cognac was the primary spirit in uh, new Orleans and then it switched to rye whiskey um, because that was what they drank when there was no Cognac. But Peshad's bitters is one of the key ingredients to the Sazerac and is also from new Orleans. Um, the apothecary shop set it's set, uh, set up their operations there and Peshaw's became the bitters of new Orleans. Uh, and then the other really big key to the Sazerac is absinthe, which was replaced with herb saint for a little while. Once absinthe was illegal. Uh, but there's so much complexity in this drink uh, because the recipe itself is two ounces of the spirit, uh, some variations of like rye whiskey to cognac ratios, a uh, touch of simple syrup, an expression of lemon, and like three dashes of Peshad's bitters, um, and then the absinthe rinse on the glass. And it's a whiskey cocktail served neat, which I think is really cool. Like you literally just get the expressions of this drink. And for those reasons, it is one of if not my favorite cocktails i absolutely agree with everything you just said (laughs) yes because you've been here the entire time (laughs) oh what i miss the entire explanation (laughs) i gave on the (laughs) sazerac oh sorry about that yes sazerac's a great drink um it is it's very unique to have a uh a cocktail served down in a rocks glass and neat Mm-hmm. I think it's very cool. I, th- I also think it's very cool 
that it's a uh, it's garnished with a with a lemon twist mm-hmm. as opposed to like an orange or like a cherry or something yeah. like that. It's very cool. It's it's um I wouldn't call it particularly refreshing. No. But it is more delicate than people generally give it credit for. Absolutely. I feel like. And it's it's just kind of nice, you know. It's uh it's like the old fashioned cousin to where they their bases are very similar, like your sweetening agent, your base spirit, bitters and then extra components. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, this might be kind of a weird kind of a weird take, but like it's kind of a really good patio drink. It really is. A little is. bit. I like right when it's turning like right when it's turning to evening, like at yes, sunset. Like at, twilight. Yeah, twilight. <laughs> twilight. Twilight. But yeah, I I love the Sazerac. It was a uh, I was worried about ordering them for the longest time because it just sounded pretentious to order a Sazerac. It still does. It yeah. still does. It really uh, does. Not as pretentious as ordering its cousin. Um but I think we'll get to that in a second. Mm. But mm. uh yeah, I don't know. I I love the the origins of it, the history of it, like how this cocktail is very much rooted in like a turning point in like the history of liquor as a whole with Philosopher oh, yeah. just like fucking up them grapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um this pretentious cousin that Kyler um <laughs> alluded that, to that's my hot take is that <laughs> is this next cocktail the vucare it is yeah just that name is just kind of <laughs> douchey isn't it the name the, isn't douchey it's how everyone that's ever ordered a vucare from me has ordered a vucare from me <laughs> how what is that do you know what a vucare is uh okay not a hey can you make me a vucare it's do you know what a vucare is? Like, I'm going to stump the bartender with this cocktail that I've read about. And then they order it, and I put it in front of them, and then they take a sip, and they're like, mm, mommy, it burns. <laughs> and then they don't like it. Vucare. <laughs> uh, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a little bit of mashup of a uh, Manhattan and a Sazerac, a little bit. There's no absinthe in this one, though. Um, but uh, so it's going to be another split base. Um, Kyler kind of touched on the fact that a Sazerac can be a split base drink, and I think traditionally is made as a split base drink mm-hmm. between rye whiskey and cognac, or just whiskey in general and cognac. Um, the Vucre specifically calls for rye whiskey from pretty much most of the things that I've most of the recipes that yeah. I've found. Uh, rye whiskey, cognac, sweet vermouth, Benedictine, Angostura bitters, and Peychaud's bitters. So there's a lot going on in there. However, I mean, they all I mean they all really work together. Mm-hmm. They all bring something different to the table. Oh, yeah. It is a beautiful cocktail. It is absolutely beautiful so long as you don't like try to quote stump the bartender. <laughs> like it's I think it's the drink I don't think I've ever ordered for myself. I've made it as like my shift drink, but I've never ordered it because of like how it makes me feel to get an order <laughs> for Vucare. Like I don't want people to think of me as this. I just really like this drink. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I've never had it at at any bar. I've only had it 
in the comfort of my own home mm-hmm. where I don't feel like a douchebag. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's like, dog, I don't even know. I think it's the Benedictine that like makes me feel the way I feel about it. I, I, I just I love Benedictine. I man. love be- like I love that drink. So Everything good. about it is beautiful. And it just like I don't know. I've only seen douchebags order it, and so I don't want to be a douchebag, but I really love this drink and I just And it's want not it. even like Chad douchebag. It's not like, eh, like No, it's that one like dude a, that like, like everybody bag, knows. It's like, like um Hey, so I don't know if you know what this is. But mm-hmm. it's like it's uh, a what did I order? You've never heard of this. <laughs> like it's your it's your sister. It's your, your friend, craft. like Haley's brother. Yeah. Jeremy. Who's like who's super like into craft there. cocktails, but has like never worked in a bar. Yeah. And never makes them for himself. He's, but he's like super into them, even though the mm-hmm. Vukare is like a thousand years old. Yeah. It's like yeah, you you really taste the craft nature of this drink with something that has nothing like (laughs) fresh in it. This is from the 1930s. (laughs) People drank this because they were sad. (laughs) Uh, Oh, but man, like it is a beautiful drink. Not only in the way that the ingredients work together, in my personal opinion, it is because it's like. I mean, there are a lot of cocktails that are like this, especially from New Orleans, from like specifically 1930s New Orleans, but it perfectly represents kind of exactly what was happening in New Orleans at that time. Yeah. Um, Because we've got French ingredients from brandy and, or being brandy and Benedictine from France. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got vermouth. The vermouth is from Italy. And the bitters... At least the Peychaud's bitters and the whiskey comes from pretty much New Orleans. Yeah. So it's like, it's this whole melting pot. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to say that. Anymore. I know we're not really allowed <laughs> to say that, but that's, I mean, that's what it was referred to back then, at least. That's um, I'm trying to be, how about cross currents? Just all these, all these different paths mm-hmm. crossing crossing all at the same time. Like the time. mighty blends of the Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. Mississippi Delta. Um, but yeah, uh, from what I understand, it first came to be in the carousel bar in the Hotel Monteleone by Walter Bergeron in the 1930s New Orleans. Hell yeah. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Walter Bergeron comes from a French immigrant family, maybe? I don't know. Heard. Makes sense. If, if yeah, it would make case. sense. I do love, like, these two cocktails in particular. Don't quote me on that. Like, the Sazerac and the Vucare. Like, I just love the mesh of heritage. Between, yeah, exactly. Like, these drinks. Like, the, I mean, New Orleans being this awesome, like, I don't know, the, the French-American, like, I Dude, hate we the term, o- but, like, the voodoo vibe. Yeah, of yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of just, no, like, for real. These crazy things of like absinthe and Peychaud's bitters and Benedictine, like these very like herbaceous kind of like, I don't know, trippy Super things. Super specific. Yeah. Like coming together to form like literally two of my favorite cocktails I've I, ever had. I love the culture of New Orleans too. Honestly, we could do a whole ass episode on 
just drinks from New Orleans. Yeah. Because like you, you range from very spirit forward drinks like the Vucare and the Sazerac and you go down the street a couple of blocks mm-hmm. and you get to get the restaurant. I forget the name of the restaurant. But the uh the place where they made the hurricane for yeah. the first time, which is debatedly kind of a tiki drink, mm-hmm. right? And the tiki is Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just it's man, New Orleans is crazy. I really want to go back there sometime, but I will not go back there until I can get the full experience again. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that. Yep. I I want to be mugged by a cab driver <laughs> at three in the afternoon. I want Bourbon Street to smell like bourbon piss and vomit yes. if I'm going to go there. I want to hastily trot through the red light district <laughs> with like my eyes forward looking for the next bar. <laughs> I want to almost get into a fight with three different strangers on my mm-hmm. walk to the next bar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I want some random dude to approach me off like some kind of side alley and was like, do you want to try authentic absinthe? And then like trust him and then be given like a packet of like nitroglycerin and star anise and green fruit coloring <laughs> and then be like, this is the best experience of my life. I want to be sold a drink <laughs> called a hand grenade. <laughs> <laughs> Being touted as one of the strongest drinks on uh, in the French Quarter, mm-hmm. even though it is, in fact, uh, pineapple juice and sugar. Yes. With a splash of Bacardi. And, uh, there's so much in New Orleans I want to experience, and all of them are good. I want to walk around, again, with a gigantic, like, court, mm-hmm. plastic cup of beer in my hand, walking down the streets of the French Quarter. That's all I want. All I want. That's all we need. That's all I need, bro. I think that was a fun episode. I think that was a fun episode. Fantastic. I dig it. Uh, Man, is that is that is that all she wrote for today? I I feel like it's all she wrote. I mean, I feel like the rest of it would just be reminiscing on the glory days of like two months ago (laughs) when we were filming these. Man, back when we first discovered the uh, the phrase "hoary withheld." Hoary withheld. Man, we had a real field day out of that yeah we like i don't know in our personal lives we beat that to we beat that to death (laughs) like that was the predecessor to this (laughs) (laughs) the hand thing if uh if you're still wondering if (laughs) over the last month if we've stopped doing the hand thing we've we have we've essentially doubled down on the hand thing (laughs) we really have and it's gone bad it's invaded my day job I have thankfully not asked a guest yet, like, can I get anything for you? <laughs> I've had to physically stop myself from going over to one of the in charges on the project that I'm on and being like, hey, can you log me into, <laughs> can you log me into Mark's real quick? Uh, it's not a problem if it, if you know it, know about it, right? It's the first yeah. step to, I don't know. I don't want to stop doing the hand thing. Yeah, no, neither do I. Until I have to stop doing the hand thing. But yeah. I'm I'm gonna accidentally do it to somebody that I'm not supposed to do. I'm gonna it to. have like I'm gonna pick wrong place, wrong time, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be like I'm so sorry for your loss. Someone's <laughs> <laughs> gonna, be, gonna like, be like, "Thanks, I'm upset." And you're gonna be like, "Yes, sir." Yes. <laughs> God, that is exactly what it's gonna feel like too. <laughs> yes, sir.
Man. You want to talk about like some more really obscure fruit? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, w- did we say that droops are stone fruit? No, I don't think we ever okay. did. Cool. What's your favorite droop? The coconut. The coconut. Is it because it has um, a husk in place that is wiry and uh, dry versus the inverted like pit of the regular droop? Yeah, it's like a, it's like an inside out droop. It's like an inside out droop. Fucking incredible. <laughs> it's insane, bro. Uh it's insane, bro. This these fucking droops, bro. <laughs> uh, my personal favorite's the plum. Um It's a very good droop. It's a very good droop. One of my favorites. My uh, my friend Ty and I, he was the, one of the greatest managers I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, worked at him with Anna at Honest Abe's. And we had like a week straight of just like Essentially, the Colonel Sanders of Plums was this like character that we had created, and we'd show up to work because we were just working every day, and I'd be like, "Like Ty, are you in the mood for some plums?" And be like, mm, "I'm always in the mood for some plums." And so we coined the phrase, uh, which I think is a, a huge like drop of wisdom of just, "Son, if you ain't eating the pit, you ain't eating the plum." And like it doesn't make any goddamn sense, but it makes me feel good. <laughs> so yeah, that's what? why. That's why the plum is my favorite droop. That's <laughs> fair enough, man. More power. <laughs> fair enough. enough. Fair enough. More power to you, man. Um, sorry. Before we go, I'm gonna drop like one random piece of knowledge on you guys. Uh, there's something called the strawberry guava, <sighs> and um. It's not as much. Well, it is actually. It is equally as much fun as you think it is, mm-hmm. and also super not fun. Super at the not same fun. Time. <clears throat> like yes, they are. It's high risk, high reward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They are really small uh, guavas, the about the size and shape of a strawberry. However, they are toxic. I don't think they're toxic to. I, I at least I didn't read that they were toxic to humans. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're at least toxic to other plants, and they are also thirsty boys. Thirsty and boys. they will suck all of the water <laughs> from the suck. <laughs> yes, all of the water from the surrounding soil, and absolutely just dehydrate all the other plants. And from what I read, it can very quickly, relatively, relatively as far speaking, as plants as go. far as plants go, it can relatively quickly. Turn an entire forest into a monoculture of just these strawberry guavas. This species is invasive. It's stupid invasive. It's stupid invasive. You don't even understand. <laughs> like you could even throw mint in there, and it would probably choke mint out. I was going to say it's the it's the mint of fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, it's the dark souls of fruit. Did I tell you that that um, one of my best friends from middle school his dad planted a a mint plant in his backyard in his mulch (sighs) (laughs) oh no uh, this was several years back i don't think he realized how uh how much of a weed mint actually is yeah and um yeah by the end of contained oh boy yeah by the end of that summer it was a large shrub like it started out as like just little uh little seedling right yeah it was a large shrub by the end of that summer by the end of the following summer, it had grown to like 
almost take over this entire mulch bed. Yeah. And he was like, he originally planted it because he loved mojitos and he just wanted to like make as many mojitos as he could. He wanted access to mint and like yeah. he made a deal with the devil and yeah, didn't see exactly. what was happening. And then... And then he was like actively trying to get rid of mint. Mm-hmm. Like he would call me and my um, my friends over to his house and be like, "Hey, take some mint with you when you leave, yeah. just in case you want to make a mojito or something." Free mint. Like, like, dude, I'm 19. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was somewhat good around my friends' parents when I was 19. What a specific. <laughs> set of uh, qualifications there <laughs> well because okay my friend's parents are like su- they're all super close with my with my parents uh, with my so i needed to uh, i needed to keep keeping my, up appearances yeah yeah exactly exactly Her- this isn't a conversation that we need to have on air no i could uh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time for us to get out of here. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, First thanks again, guys. We love you. Her. Oh, forgot to say one thing. Our next big topic. <gasps> Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? It's gin. It's gin. Specifically, we are starting out with, much like we started out this topic with the ubiquitous old fashioned, as far as whiskey cocktails go. We will be talking about the martini. <gasps> Which is it a gin cocktail? Yes, yes it is. Yes it is. There's no ha, we we weren't trying to fool you with the maybe. It's a gin cocktail. No, there's no in between. There's no in between. Uh, I mean uh, You know, we'll get Here's to that. my hot take. <laughs> Fuck you, James Bond. <laughs> James uh, Bond ruined the martini. That's it for today, folks. Thank it. you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.